Coming up on today's Locked On NHL, an Eastern Conference edition of the show. We have a trade between Atlantic Division teams. Jeff Petrie is moving addresses for the second time this offseason. We'll also discuss David Krejci retiring and Mikey's got some NHL All-Star Game improvements we'll get to. All coming up on the Locked On NHL podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to this week's Eastern Conference edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. You can find me five days a week over at Locked On Senators. And as always, it's a Battle of Ontario edition. I'm joined by Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs. Mike, it's been a little while with coinciding vacations back to back. Great to be on with you today. I was going to say, you said, as always, I'm like, God, I don't think we've done a podcast together in a month. It's been a while. Like I was away for three weeks and then you know, you came back or, or I came back and then you're in wedding mode and this is your first locked on NHL show as a married man. How's it it feel? is feeling a little heavier. You know, I got, I got the little gold band on and uh, yeah, feel, it feels the, the same, you know, it's not too, too different, but I had a great celebration over the weekend and almost got duped by a, one of those fake insider accounts on Twitter. And what so, happened? I just knew that Shane Pinto was going to end up signing on my wedding day. There had to be like, you know, something there. So I go and, and just um, a smaller account had the uh, the Kevin Weeks photo where he's, you know, he always does that pose when he's breaking news and, you know, changes username to Kevin Weeks and had this tweet saying, I'm hearing that Shane Pinto is about to agree. So quick little panic scroll in the washroom there. Family's wondering, hey, we got more photos to take. I'm trying to figure it out and. No, Shane Pinto has not signed. Mike, few RFAs haven't signed. Anaheim has two to take care of. Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegras, both still left on side. The Eastern Conference, as we mentioned, what we cover here every Wednesday. I mentioned Shane Pinto. Ottawa's got Igor Sokolov to take care of. But we saw an RFA get paid last week, and this week his team has a hole to fill at center. We're talking Jeremy Swayman getting his contract through an arbitrator and then David Krejci officially announcing his retirement. Kind of seemed like it was just when, not if. But your thoughts on what Boston does now without Patrice Bergeron. And you can get into a little bit, too, of the uh, the legacy that David Krejci relieves behind. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at Krejci, and, and he was a hell of a Bruin, hell of a career. One of the more underrated players throughout you know, his time in the NHL, but he was always a very reliable, dependable number two center in behind Bergeron. The reason why that team was always so competitive and always, you know, in the ranks to potentially win a Stanley Cup, they went on, what, two uh, cup runs and they ended up winning a Stanley Cup with those two down the middle. So, and it's because, again, like this, they were so good as the one and two. Now it helped them together. Um, I, I, I mean... <sighs> The problem is I always look at the Boston Bruins and I feel like every year I say to myself, ah, oh, they got to take a step back at some point. They got to take a step back at some point. Now you really have to believe that though, right? Like now with Bergeron completely gone, he's retired and he'll be in the hall of fame someday. And now you look and David Krejci uh, announced his retirement this week. You're looking at a center group of Pavel Zaka, Charlie Coyle, 
Morgan Geeky, and as of now, Jesper Boquist is is penciled in as as the fourth line center. I believe they actually don't they have a or maybe Trent, well Trent Frederick I guess could end up coming in and, and filling one of those roles. But either way, I I just don't see it happening where this team can really look themselves in the mirror anymore and still say we're cup cup caliber teams. Like I, I just, those are two massive hits to this group. I, I just don't see them being Stanley cup contenders anymore. And I understand they had to make certain decisions, but others I'm still scratching my head about most notably, like maybe this is a hot take, but we did see the Norris trophy winner get traded. Like if I was Boston, I would have really tried to strike on the Linus Allmark market. He's making $5 million for the next two seasons. Swayman, with a one-year deal too, now he's setting himself up with maybe without the opportunity, it won't be as easy to demand more, but he had a great season. And really the Bruins record didn't, not that they still have the same talent up front, like you said, but I would have looked to have moved him because what they ended up having to do have was Taylor Hall was the odd man out. $6 million really played well last year, I thought. And you're replacing him essentially with James Van Riemsdyk or yeah. Milan Lucic. And I get it. Like the two of them are making a third of what Taylor Hall makes. But at the same time, like they're going to be expected to play a top six role, at least one of them, right? It's probably going to be JVR. I would suspect out of the two. Uh, of them. Yeah. There, there's, there's no chance that Lucic is going to be anything more than a fourth liner who might get you, you know, eight to 10 goals tops. Like that's what he is at this point in his career. Um, and even JVR, like he's a guy who's slowed down now. He's into his mid thirties. Like, I don't think JVR is a guy who I look at and say, Hey, he's the replacement of a former league MVP. Like he might only get you 15, maybe 20 goals just cause he's so good in around the net and he could just kind of bang his way and find some goals on the power play. Um, but yeah, like they, they just lost so much with, with those players and you know, there, there's still an opportunity, I suppose, where, they could get better. You know, there's a lot of names that are out there as, as potential trade partners, you know, like we know that there's been conversations out in Winnipeg about them, maybe taking a step back. Does Mark Shifley become available? Are they interested in bringing him into the fold? Potentially Elias Lindholm could be available as well out in Calgary. That would be a nice pickup for them to try and help their, their center depth and, and, and just, you know, become a better team. So there are, there's still time for this team to, you know, get better. But as the lineup currently stands right now, they lost a lot. They didn't really add anything of significant impact this offseason. Lost Todd Bertuzzi, too, who they gave up, you know, a, a strong package to get the deadline. And he ends up walking and coming to Toronto. And they didn't replace him either. So there's, there's a lot that they just have not been able to replace. I don't see this team being nearly as good as they were a season. I mean, clearly, they're going to have to take a step back. They quite legitimate literally set records last year as the greatest regular season of all time in terms of wins and points. I don't think they're going to come anywhere near that. I think there's a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot, let alone uh, being in, in cup contender status. They still have a great decor though, man, that top pair of uh, Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy are as good as any top pair in the national hockey league. I like what Matt Grizzlick brings as a, middle option on defense brandon carlo will need need to play his best too on the right side but that is a top four like i still think it's fine with some guys who can mix in you know kevin shattenkirk has the experience Derek forbert's been a guy who they relied on a lot last year 
but it's just up front where you lose your two top centermen. I don't know how many teams can sustain their success after that. I've heard on, on good authority, Morgan Geeky is going to be expected. Uh, at least Jim Montgomery kind of sold him on the idea that he was going to get a real opportunity to be more than he has had a chance to show at the NHL level. He signed yeah. a three-year deal at $2 million. I think he could be, you know, a real nice like player. I like Geeky. I think he is a good player. Like when he was in, in Carolina, you know, and then when he ended up getting selected by Seattle, you know, I, I liked him in a, a in the role that he was in. We'll see in a bigger role. I mean, how much of it, like I, I don't expect for him to be David Krejci. Like if that's what they're expecting him to come in and be like a top six contributor, that may be a little bit of a stretch for me. But, you know, as a top nine contributor, a guy who can play some 3C and, you know, maybe get some special teams opportunities, perhaps. Uh, but for him to come in and replace anything that was lost, I just don't see that happening. Who do you have ahead of the other right now between the Florida Panthers and Boston Bruins? Because I still think Tampa and Toronto, they're pretty much locked yeah. in the top three spots. Like out of those two teams, who do you think it, it has the inside edge? I would probably – you want to hear a hot take? Sure. Neither. Ottawa. Buffalo. Ah. I think the Buffalo Sabres, if I had to put money on – now, I think all four of these teams that we just mentioned, Buffalo, Ottawa, Florida, and Boston, I think Detroit's just a step below that, in my opinion. We'll um, and obviously, Yeah, and then obviously Montreal you know, behind them. But those four teams, I think, are really in that mix where one of them will get a one of them will get you know a divisional spot, and then the other two will be fighting in the with the Metro for the wild card positions. If I had to place a wager on it today, I think I'd put it as as the Buffalo Sabers finishing at the top between those four teams. I like what they're building in Buffalo. I think Rasmus Dahlin took his step next year. They got Devin Levi into the fold. We'll see if he can provide some stable goaltending for them. There's still an opportunity for them to go out and address goaltending. You know, potentially Connor Hellebuck or someone could become available for them to go and get Jacob Markstrom maybe if, if you know, the Flames are looking to, to rebuild and, and retool a little bit. Um, but I like – the other pieces, Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, uh, Dylan Cousins, obviously, is a really good player. J.J. Paterka, I think, is going to take a step. Jack Quinn, like, there's so many good pieces there. And uh, Owen Powers, another guy on the blue line who I really like. Matias Samuelson is a terrific shutdown defender, young kid. So they've got some nice pieces over in Buffalo. So I, I actually think that's the team uh, out of that group of four that I believe will finish uh, in third place in, in the Atlantic division. Okay. I mean, that's a lot to ask out of Devin Levi. I know that the numbers are exquisite everywhere he's been, but damn 21 years old and you're expecting a potential divisional playoff caliber team to get what 50, 55 games out of them. If they're going to be successful, I don't know if Uka Pekalukanen and Eric Comrie are necessarily household names, just yet i think that's a ton to put on the kid's shoulders and i think buffalo missed an opportunity to bring in connor hellebuck during the early stage of the offseason i think they were perfect fit in in there for him and they have the assets they wouldn't have even blinked if they would have missed out like any of i mean the two winnipeg ice kids that they have in their system just seems like natural you know conversation starters zach benson matthew savoy like without them they still have a stacked prospect pool I don't know what Winnipeg was asking for. The Dubois trade kind of showed that they're looking as much to retool as rebuild, bringing in two middle six NHL options in that trade. 
But if they were interested in prospects, I think Buffalo, like New Jersey, I think has, they're a bit different. I think Buffalo to me was the number one spot for Connor Hallibuck. I think it's a shame they missed out. Huge Devin Levi fan, but I just think that's a huge ask for a 21 year old. It is for sure. And, you know, he's going to obviously have help. It's going to have to be a tandem. I don't expect Devin Levi to play 50, 60 games. That's just not reasonable for a guy who's never done anything like that coming from the college ranks. But I still think that, like, they were one point away from making the playoffs last year. One point. Like, you look at the growth of what everyone, you know, of, of everyone on that team that's young, that's still taking steps forward in their career. Plus, you add a better goaltender in Devin Levi. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Ukapeka Lukanen can take a little bit more of a step this year. Um, they did make a, an addition. I can't remember who they added to the blue line, but I thought they made addition to the blue Eric, line. Just... Eric Johnson's coming in from Colorado. Wow, Eric Johnson. Yeah, I mean, Eric Johnson's going to be Eric Johnson. Um, but I still think that they're a decent squad. Connor Clifton, that's who they brought in, actually. They brought in Connor Clifton. Um, to kind of add a little bit of help to, to their blue line. So I think they're decent. I think the Buffalo Sabres, I think they're going to show some people that they're for real this year. Okay, we'll find out. How about the other two teams mentioned there? Montreal and Detroit, they combined to make an NHL trade in a mid-August deal. We'll let you know the details of that and how it affects the hierarchy in the Atlantic Division. If, and are the Habs making a push for another top five pick that's all next you're listening to locked on nhl today's episode is brought to you by the fan duel sports book you know we love our friends at fan duel it's the official sports book of the locked on podcast network over at fan duel you can get set with futures for the national hockey league playoff over unders projected stats for connor bedard and other stars it's all right now at FanDuel. Football season's about to kick off as well, and when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Take some time to visit FanDuel and check out all their great odds today welcome back to the locked on nhl podcast every wednesday we cover the eastern conference top to bottom and bottom is where you could have found these two teams in the atlantic division last year the montreal canadians have traded jeff petrie yes the one they just acquired in the three-way trade for eric carlson with that they will be maintaining some of the money so they are sending not only Jeff Petrie, but Jeff Petrie at, I think, 37% of what his initial salary was for this season to the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a fourth-round pick and defensive prospect Gustav, no, not that, Lidstrom. Your thoughts on the trade, Mike, and how does Jeff Petrie impact what the Detroit Red Wings can expect from themselves next year? Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's a it's 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 a good deal just because of how cheap Jeff Petrie's coming in, right? And he's a veteran blue liner who can come in and kind of help that young decor who struggled mightily last year. I'm not saying that he's going to come in and be a rock star and be the Jeff Petrie that he was two three years ago. Uh, I think his game has fallen off. He's you know into his mid thirties at this point, 
But to get him at what'd you say, thirty-seven and a half percent of what his cap hit is, so what, like two million, just a, a shade under that. I think that's a terrific pickup for the Detroit Red Wings. Whether or not that moves the needle, meh, probably not. But it it does give you know this team a, a solid veteran blue liner who's uh, you know has wanted to get to Detroit for for quite some time now. I remember last summer there was uh, the rumor was. Jeff Petrie wanted to go to Detroit. Didn't happen. He got. He ended up getting traded, but went to Pittsburgh. This offseason, he finally lands there, and um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be just. He's going to give you the, the value of what his contract is, but I don't think it's going to do much in terms of standings wise, or, or if it makes me feel any different about this team. Two point three four three seven five zero million dollars so 2.4 million uh for jeff petrie's 35 years old not only for this year but next year as well what really kind of opened my eyes was looking at detroit's cap friendly and seeing that that salary is the sixth highest among red wings defensemen for next year and that doesn't include their best defenseman maurice sider who's still on the final year of his entry-level contract. They have Ben Sherratt for three more seasons at 4.75. Shane Gostisbehere, one season at 4.125. Justin Hall, three years at 3.4. Jake Wallman, three years at 3.4. Oli Mata, two years at $3 million. Not only that, but the top four I mentioned, Sherratt, Gostisbehere, Hall, and Wallman all have modified no-trade clauses. So, There's Jeff Petrie, who's a uh, Michigan native, whose dad actually pitched for the Detroit Tigers. Um, I don't. Why? Why why do any of those players have no trade? No trade clauses. Like, are they John? Is is John Ferguson Jr. at this point the GM of the Detroit? Wow. Yeah. And front. Dylan Larkin has a full no-trade clause, and then they have Andrew Kopp, JT Tomfer, and David Perl, all with modified no-trades. I got to tell you, like, Steve Eiserman is is a wizard when it comes to trading. But when it comes to, like, they got to take his phone away July 1. Because this is two seasons in a row that he's made some questionable signings on July 1. Like, Justin Hall, Justin Hall and JT Comper, those signings he made this year were very questionable. Very questionable deals. And uh, now you're bringing Jeff Petrie into the fold. I mean, what this might also signal, and and you know, you, you brought this up, so I'll give you the credit for it. So I want you to talk about it. Like, does this maybe say something about the defensive prospects that they have in their system? And Stevie Y thinking maybe they're not quite ready yet, and that's why they're bringing in all these veterans. Yeah, I think that, or maybe he's remembering how Detroit used to be almost notorious until you saw right. them in the NHL of keeping prospects in the minors for an over ripening because. If you talk to any Red Wings fan, Seaman Edmondson is like the next the next big thing. He was a top, uh, I think, sixth overall pick. If it's Detroit, I'm just going to assume it was sixth overall. That's where they always end up in the draft lottery. Sider, Zadina, Edmondson, uh, just to name a couple here recently. But uh, yeah, William Wallander as well, like uh, Emil Vero and Albert Johansson. Like just all these guys, they're 22 and under. But to me, yeah, it's probably signaling that we're going to see Edvinson play another season in uh, in the AHL where he was really effective. I mean, 27 points in 52 games and getting used to the North American game. Probably want to cut down from 52 pims in 52 games and struggled in the NHL on, on a bad team. Like they were just, they were not good, especially at the end of the year. He got, he got his nine games minus seven and uh, 12 penalty minutes, two goals, no assists. But I still think he's going to be a real good defenseman. 
I just think, yeah, maybe Detroit's going the extra patient route. They clearly are still in building mode with two first round picks last, uh, last draft. I think they did really well with how they used those picks, but um, with Axel Sandy and Palika as well, another defensive prospect, but he's a couple of years away. And then Nate Danielson, uh, at ninth overall, I almost would have flipped where those guys went, but by all accounts, Nate Danielson does have maybe a more uh, uh, intricate toolkit than I initially thought um, watching him through the process. So with all that said, Mikey, I still think Detroit's a step behind in terms of the teams we mentioned before. I know their fans and sense fans of having a mid off all, all off season kind of going back and forth. But um, I think probably Steve Eisenman doesn't mind that necessarily where I question him is not allowing himself the flexibility in the years ahead. Cause they're going to have to re-sign Lucas Raymond. They're going to have to re-sign Maurice Sider. And now they're taking on like that second year of Jeff Petrie's contract at 36, 37. Like I know they're not a cap team, but 2.4 that could be used. I think a little wiser with what they have. Well, I think you just look up and down the lineup and a lot of the deals that they've made over the last couple of years, like, like I was saying earlier, like take this guy's phone away on July one because why you're paying a 28-year-old JT Comper $5.1 million for the next five years is a big question mark to me. You're giving Andrew Kopp, who's already 29 years old, could be 30 years old next year. He's making 5.625 for the next four years. Like There's just a lot of money being paid to some older guys who just simply aren't going to be part of this future when those young players are ready to go, like Ben Chirot, Justin Hall, those guys together – making over $8 million between those two. Like, we're talking about third-pair defensemen here with these two players for the next three years making up $8 million of your team's cap. And if you're not going to be competitive, instead of spending it on third-pair defensemen, do kind of what you did here with Petrie, I guess, or what you potentially could do with other teams. Act as a broker. What basically what Montreal just did in this deal act as a broker, take on picks, take on prospects and use your salary cap that way. If you're going to suck, just flat out suck. Like I just, what's the point in coming in 27th and picking six again? You know what I mean? Like come in 30th and pick in the top three and then, you know, get a really solid prospect and then build your team that way. It just, the way that they're doing it in Detroit to me is just a little questionable. I don't know if it's a directive from ownership that they have to remain competitive but the way they're building this thing, I just think that there's a, a smarter way to go about it, if I'm being honest. I mean, Wings, Wings fans won't let me live it down if we don't mention they did add Alex Debrinkit up front. So that's obviously going to help them put more pucks in the net. Uh, they gave away one of their two first round picks for next season. So they still have a, a pick in the first, second, third, and fourth. I actually have a pick in every round so far next, uh, next draft, despite adding a talented player this summer. All right, we've got some all-star ideas. Coming up after the break, we'll discuss. And by the way, Montreal, they just to finish my my tease from before, like they're just setting themselves up to be close to the cap, but stack up assets for the future. That's what they're What are that pick wise? Um, I know they had a lot of picks in uh, the last two drafts specifically, and uh, I guess the jury's still out on them. They have a first, a, they have Colorado second, but not their own next year. And then they have two third-round picks uh, as well, um, three-sevenths. So stay tuned to the end of the draft if you're a Habs fan. Uh, but in 2025, they have Calgary's first from the Sean Monahan trade, which was a, a great pickup for them. Unfortunately, Sean Monahan was injured, uh, which, I mean, was kind of always the risk with him uh, last year. He re-signed there, didn't he? What's that? He ended up re-signing, though, again, didn't he? 
Yeah. Yeah, he's still there. He has 17 points in 25 games last year. Yeah, he got off to a good start. Hopefully he can, you know, stay relatively healthy this year. Only 28 years old, man. That's tough because, I mean, he looked like a budding star when he was playing with Johnny Goodrow there in Calgary. So, all right, all that to say, we have some all-star ideas. That's next. You're looking at Locked on NHL. All right, welcome back to the Wednesday, August 16th edition of Locked On NHL. I'm Ross Levitan. Alongside Mike DiStefano, a reminder that we have local experts on the biggest stories where your team every day on the Locked On NHL network. The NHL All-Star Game is coming to Toronto this upcoming season. No longer will players be able to pack their flip-flops and beat shirts. They will have to trade it in for some gritty Canadian winter wear. But Mike... How are they going to make it as exciting as possible inside the formerly Air Canada Center? I think there's a few ways that you can make this a way more entertaining experience. And it's not even like this is new revolutionary stuff. Really, it's just things that we've seen from the NHL in the past that they've gone away from that, like, us fans, you and I, want it back, essentially, and also taken a little bit from other sports and what they do and what's considered successful in their all-star festivities. So I've got like a three-pack of things that the NHL could do to improve all-star weekend and the viewing experience uh, at, at home. Because I think when you're there, and and hopefully I get to go this year being in Toronto, um, I'd like to you know at least try and, and see if I can get a chance to go to the skills comp. You know, it, it apparently is very much... It's not for TV. It's more so for the people who are there potentially, um, or it's it's a different experience when you're there, and it's much more enjoyable. There's a lot of other stuff going on than just what's seen on television. Um, so I think a way that you can improve it, TV wise, for the TV experience is do these three things. So first and foremost, can we bring back the the draft? Like I, I'm I'm done with the divisional tournament. Let's bring back a draft and let's get this thing back to the way that it was played. I don't want three on three anymore. Like I, I'm okay with going back to five on five. That may be controversial. I don't know how you feel about that, but if that means that we can get a draft back and we can draft two teams and have them go at it and get, you know, ha- just have the game back, you know, where we can get some representation for defensemen who have been criminally left off of so many all-star teams. We had one, one team this year that didn't even have a defenseman on their entire all-star team. Like it was ridiculous. Um, so that that's, that's one thing that I think could improve it. Bring back the draft. Cause that was so much fun. Like remember Phil Kessel going last and everyone's clowning on him. Like, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun to experience. Like I remember watching it with buddies, grabbing a pizza when I was in high school and, and just watching the draft and having fun. Let's get back to that. It was a fun experience. The draft was the best. I actually went to it in 2012 when it was in Ottawa. That's where I got, uh, that plate. I was working at a restaurant in downtown Ottawa, and a group of the players, including Eric Carlson, walked in. I was like, "Man, got to get him to sign something." This kid's 21 years old, putting the league in in a, in a blender. Um, so I just grabbed a plate off the line and uh, and got him to to rip a signature. That's what that is. That's a plate. I'll grab it. Like a porcelain plate. I've just got it leaning up. So yeah, I'll pull it on here. So Eric Carlson. And then uh, I wrote on the back there just where it was signed. Year he won his first Norris Trophy, All-Star Weekend, Jan 27, 2012. 
Yeah, yeah. 80, 81 games, 78 points, 21 years old, absolute stud. So, yeah, like that, like you're saying, like the festivities are more what goes on in town around the All-Star game than the actual event. But that draft was hilarious. And you can actually watch the entire TSN broadcast on YouTube. James Dot, the Ottawa native, was doing it. Alfredson, of course, it was expected to be a swan song. And then he ends up playing great the next season. Nobody cares what happens the season after that. Nobody needs to know or care what happened the season after that. But it was kind of a celebration for him. Former Senator Zdeno Chara was the captain of the other team. He had just won the Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins the summer uh, before. Marion Hosa was there. There's just so, so many all-stars. <laughs> and at the casino, it's in this auditorium room, and everyone was in one. Like, there was there was – not a uh, dry pallet in the house. It was an unbelievable event and, you know, intimate setting. The players can obviously hear you. Everyone was giving it to Kessel who had been uh, picked last the year before. And it was in, uh, or sorry. And obviously Kessel was playing in Toronto at the time. Lupul was a part of team chair right away. Just like you got to get the rivalries going. I thought they did a good job of that. And then I think you were telling me that's the last year they did it. So it's been almost 10 years now uh, without it. So, to hell with all their feelings about being the last guy picked, whatever it may be. Dude, they it, got a car out of it. Like, who cares? You get a car out of it. It's all jokes anyway. Remember then Ovi, like the, that, I believe it probably was either that year. Maybe there's one more year of it. But Ovi got pissed when he got selected because he won the car or the truck or whatever the hell they gave him. Like, he legitimately was like, no, don't pick me. Don't pick me. Because he didn't want to get picked. So it, it it turned into a bit of a, a meme, I suppose. And maybe that's why the NHL decided to go away from it. But from, uh, you know, as a fan, from a viewing experience, I thought that it was fun. And yeah. the NBA does it. Like, they do it to today. Like, And it's always a big money grab on ESPN. People watch it. So yeah. why the TV networks wouldn't want to do this also blows my mind. Random aside, who leads the NHL? In all-star game points. Like all-time or in one game? All-time. So this would be a random player? No. No, just random stat. I don't think anyone cares. Oh, I mean, Gretzky probably scored a whole bunch of points in all-star games. When there's an NHL record that's being questioned, just say Gretzky, you're most likely going to be right. (laughs) Is it Gretzky? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Scratch. You said as if it was going to be a, a trick question. I was going to be like, Ronick? Points per game, though, it's it's Mario. Mario had 23 points in 10 All-Star games, which is two less than Gretzky, but Gretzky played in eight more. Amazing. Um, and I'm not going to make you guess this, but Gordy Howe played the most All-Star games. He was an All-Star 23 times. Wow. 23 times. Yeah. Amazing. 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 All right. I like that, Mikey. You want to give us the other ones quickly? We just got a couple more minutes here. Yeah, I I think one other one that I've petitioned for for a while now is to also allow like skilled players to participate in the skills competition. Right. Like I think if you allowed guys who are like trickster, uh, like trick shot artists to take place in the shootout, I think it would be much more entertaining than what we see nowadays because they just would be able to do cooler things i think if you have the actual hardest shot out there as opposed to like who won it last year i'm trying to think was didn't petterson win it last year like at like 88 miles an hour or something silly like that yeah it's 
Like it was, it was, it was ridiculous who we had competing in the hardest shot competition. Like the days of Chara versus Weber are gone. I get that, but there's got to be someone else in the NHL who at least has a bomb, a clapper, who you can put out there just to say, "Hey, he's got the hardest shot in the NHL." Not this guy who happens to be an all star, and we just decide to throw him in this random event. It was Pedersen that won, but put some respect on his name. The guy went 103.2. Nah. Did he you have that, was it that hard of a shot? You had him in the 80s. I could have sworn it was like a lower shot than that. Was it really that high? 103.2. Rasmus wow. Dahlin was second, 102.3. Josh Morrissey, 96.7. Alex Ovechkin, 95.1. And Seth Jones, 94.7. Still. You're going to tell me that there's not guys in the NHL that consistently can get over 100? Yeah, Pedersen was the only player who clocked over 100 on both his attempts. Yeah, I should have known that, you know, being a, a big fan of, of Pedersen. But, like, I remember him winning. I thought it was lower than that. But, anyways, my point still stands. You, you should get guys, like, fastest skater competitions, like, Whoever the fastest, like Andreas at Tennessee, is one of the fastest skaters in the NHL. Like, get those guys there just for the events. You know what I mean? Like, the NBA does this with the three-point competition and the dunk competitions. It's okay if you're a specialist, let them go. If you're if you are a dunk, you know, big dunk artist, okay, let them go and just do that, participate that. I think that would be better than having these guys just participate just because they need to do something in the All Star game. I don't think everyone has to do an event. I don't. You're there for the game. Let the skills competition be its own little thing with different players. Let us know what you think should be the changes made to the All-Star game, your thoughts on the Jeff Petrie trade, and more on Locked On NHL or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find us in the comment section on YouTube at Locked On NHL. For Mike DiStefano, I'm Ross Levitan, and this has been your weekly Eastern Conference Roundup on the Locked On NHL podcast. It's your team. Every day.